honestly, I think kind of like the what the tools we have with everybody connecting a wallet helps us protect communities and the platform overall against that. Hey, I'm Rudy Dogum, and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Today's guest is Michael McGinnis, co-founder of GM. Michael and his brother started GM with the vision of bringing a decentralized community platform to Web3. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. I appreciate you taking that time out today to join me. Uh, I know you've been contributing and working a lot on your project, GM. That XYZ and uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking, and you've been an awesome contributor to the community, and looking forward to finally meeting you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing you post all the time, and and before we get so much into you know, what started GM, I'm kind of curious about you and like, you know, what were you as like, what were you doing as a kid, like learning about tech and learning about um, what we're building in the internet age? Like, is this something you've always been interested in? just tech in general or have you been like a newfound uh, revelation at some point in your life? Yeah. I mean, not really. I wasn't a precocious kid at all. I was a pretty normal kid. <laughs> uh, not interested in, not really interested in tech. I, I, didn't, I wasn't a kid that uh, grew up programming. So I feel like that's like a false narrative that gets passed around a lot. Is like, if you want to like write code and be like a great engineer, like you have to grow up with computers mm -hmm. and like be writing, uh, <laughs> creating your own games at the age of 12. I, I don't, I think that's totally not true. Um, I what I had no idea what I wanted to be um, when I grew up, and um, still kind of figuring that out. Um, yeah, and I got into computers in college, right? So I, when I I started, um, I took a class pretty late, my sophomore mm -hmm. year in college, and I really loved it, and I decided to major in it along with my. So you went right into computer science and finance in college. Yes. So, and then I didn't even go into tech afterwards. So I kind of, I almes forgot everything I learned in college, right? Yeah, so I mean, so, so did I. But... Oh, did you study computer science in college? Or... Electrical engineering. And yeah, I mean, college was, uh, I guess, taught me how to be disciplined in a way, but and taught me how to use Google and YouTube very well, because that's pretty much where I learned everything I know. But yeah, I mean, I paid for the degree, I guess. So it got yeah, me here. Uh, exactly. I don't know if I learned discipline from college, <laughs> but uh, I probably learned discipline from like my first uh, job out of college. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I was like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I ended up working at a hedge fund uh, right out of college. Uh, so I wasn't programming at all. I forgot pretty much everything I knew, um, but I, I liked investing. Um, so I did that for four years. Nice. Really liked it. That's when I kind of got into Bitcoin, um, just coming at it from like the macroeconomics. Well, who taught? Who, what was the first time you heard of Bitcoin? Was it somebody at your work saying, "Hey, Mike, this is the next big thing. You got to invest into it," or was it like some like some friend that you just knew on the like I don't know out of nowhere who's like, "Hey, Bitcoin's going going to become big. You should really look into it." No, I mean everybody has like the right. Like it's kind of in the news, like going on like for a while, right? Like the Silk Road stuff. Mm -hmm. um, not that I, I, I never used Silk Road, but like it was in the news and like people, heard, and I always thought it was very scammy, um, especially in the 2017 bubble, I didn't participate at all. Right. Um, it was only after the crash in 2017, at the beginning of 2018, right? I, I used Twitter and at the time, I don't think I had a single tweet. I just followed people that I was like interested in hearing their thoughts, mostly like Silicon Valley tech people. And I, I think the price of Bitcoin went from, like almost 20,000 down to like 3,500, yep. right? So people lost like 80 to 90% of their network. And I saw really smart people that I respected a lot still tweeting about it and devoting their careers and putting their life savings into it. I'm like, okay, like there's something, there's gotta be something here. 
Um, so I Googled what the best book was. So that's the thing I'll often do is like, if I want to learn something, I'll just search the best book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And the Bitcoin standard came up and yep. I read the Bitcoin standard by Stephanie Amos. Um, and I told like it, everything kind of clicked there. And I started, I just, so in like kind of March of 2018, I just put my, uh, I sold like all my stocks and just went all in on wow, Bitcoin. Wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like that was a, very, a good choice. Good choice. Uh, I'm a very binary person. Like I, I can't like not right now. I'm like all in on, um, yeah, when I, uh, it's probably not, <laughs> I'll probably have to start diversifying. That's pretty That's funny. Like, yeah. You have a whole background in finance and like never want to rule in finances to diversify. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I view diversifying as kind of not, not, not to make fun of it. Like, cause it's, I mean, it's really important, mm-hmm. especially like, like, but like if you have super high conviction in something, um, I don't think diversification makes sense. Right. Of course, like there's always the chance that you're wrong, but mm-hmm. I, I was looking at it as like, I'm 25. Like if I lose everything, like it's not a big deal. I'll just keep working and yeah probably, you'll make probably, it up somehow yeah exactly so uh but like if i'm totally right like it could change my life in a big way so um that was kind of my mentality so, right like I, I think about it in terms of financial capital and human capital right so your financial capital is like your money and like when you're younger right like that's very low relative to your human capital which is kind of your productive years um gotcha. that generate income and it's kind of diversified in that sense right because it's uh your financial capital is a very small portion of your total capital yeah. Um, so I, I didn't mind going all in on Bitcoin and then Ethereum. Yeah, you have a lot of uh, working capital left to uh, use. So. <laughs> yeah. So then, all right. So you're now working at your at, the, at your uh, financial company, and you're in all, all in Bitcoin. What's the next step? Like phase that you've uh, moved into, like you heard about Ethereum after the crash, you went all in. Like, what were you like? I, this is going to be my life now. Cryptocurrency is what I'm going to study, devote, and focus on no uh so i actually thought most of the rest of crypto was still a scam i just understood bitcoin and i was a pretty big bitcoin maxi for a while i'm not like a toxic bitcoin maxi but i was just like yeah. i don't understand how value accrues to these other assets um and which ones will be the winner um right it seemed very like dot-com boom um and i understood bitcoin and i thought bitcoin made sense in kind of a world where central banks around the globe are kind of printing a ton of money yeah. um and debasing the monetary supply and you have Dollars growing at crazy rates. Um, I and the order of magnitude improvement that Bitcoin did on gold, right? Like if gold's inflation rate or stock of flow is like the inflation rate is like two two percent, one and a half percent, and then Bitcoin's effectively zero, so it's disinflationary and it's capped at twenty one million. I got that, and then like the whole decentralized aspect and it's uncensorable. Um, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, so I. I was solely in on Bitcoin and it was just like a savings vehicle, right? Like it was just an investment. I, yeah. I didn't think I would go into it full time. I actually wanted to go into like Web2. Um, I was a huge fan of like the White Combinator, like Paul Graham. I read all of Paul Graham's essays and like Sam Altman. Uh, those people had a pretty big influence on me when I was kind of in the finance world. And I'm like, I, was, I think I was 26 at the time. And I was like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it and go into tech. Yeah. So I quit my job um, and I started learning. So I went to go get my MBA at Columbia um, Business School in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, I also enrolled in Lambda School. Uh, their web oh, development program gotcha. too, to like resharpen up my technical skills. Um, so I did that. So you're doing um, both at the yeah, same time? Yeah, I was doing both at the same time. <laughs> and then Full I, time I was also, yeah. And then I was also, I had a class in Columbia called Launch Your Startup uh, that you had, everybody had to come up with a business idea and you kind of do it. And I, I came up with this idea for a, a equity research platform 
kind of like Substack, but more tailored just to um, people publishing who wanted to publish equity research. So kind of like a mix between Substack and like Seeking Alpha. Okay. Um, so that was my idea, and I started running with it. And I, it was a great way to like kind of learn how to code. That that would be the biggest piece of advice I would also give. Like, if people want to learn how to code, just start building something, yep. and you kind of figure the rest out. It's exactly um, the reason, like how I started coding too. Because well, yeah, I have a Telegram bot, uh, crypto callback, where you can just like check the price through an inline mm -hmm. command on Telegram. But that was just like for me and my friend who like I just want to know what the price is while we're chatting, not because like I want to go on CoinGecko or go on CoinMarketCap. So yeah, it's like the that's definitely solid advice. That's like the best way to learn is have a project in mind because otherwise it's so demotivating trying to follow tutorials or try to follow other people's projects and kind of feel like you've gone nowhere. Because yeah, yeah, I mean, you do a tutorial and it all makes sense when you do the tutorial and then you try to do it yourself on your own thing and yeah. like nothing is like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but like when you build it kind of forces you to, if there's a bug and you have to debug it, it forces you to understand how everything works. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was a great way to learn is building that project. And then my brother was also, he was a software engineer. He's also my co-founder at GM. Mm -hmm. um, he's very awesome. computery, really good engineer. And he was working on it part-time with me. So I, there's nothing like a brother to kind of like tell you your code sucks and like you should write it differently. Uh, is he older? He's older, right? He's younger. So I am oh. 28 and he's 25. Nice. I have an older brother and yeah, I get that uh, brother on brother. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Communication. Exactly. So that was a great way to learn. So I like learned how to write code and I, I became like a decent engineer. Um, and then I kind of liked the idea so much that I wanted to pursue it full time. I dropped out of Columbia um, and I went to go pursue it full time. And I kind of realized I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> this is for Never. GM or just for the, oh, you're no, this is where it was called Hayek. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I, I went full time on it for like six months and I realized I had no idea what I was doing. And I had to go learn what to do. So I ended up, there's this company called Comstock, which was doing something very similar where you link your brokerage account and it's kind of like Twitter. Uh, and I, I shot the CEO an email. That would be another piece of advice. If you're trying to get a job, do not like apply, like do not just submit your resume blindly, like build something, build a project or write something, something that kind of like shows that you're a capable person and then email the higher ops at the company. <laughs> and, and I shot the CEO an email with like a demo of what I built. And he was pretty impressed and he invited me to come in and interview. Um, and I interviewed and I ended up working there as an engineer. Nice. And so I spent, they have like an amazingly talented team and like um, Silicon Valley back startup um, that raised like a ton of money. They have really talented team. And I got to see there how you write production grade code and um, how product processes should be run by it. They have a really talented it's, head of product. It's a whole new world, right? It's like, oh, this is how production and environments work. And this is how I'm supposed to test exactly. code. And this is why I'm supposed <laughs> to publish code. For now, I'm doing my own things. I'm like, all right, save to desktop, run. All right, does it work? No, just stop the whole thing. Doesn't matter. No one's using it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, it's totally night and day between the code I was writing for Hyatt and then the code I had to write at Comstock. And like, there's some growing pains. Like, Honestly, the first two months, two months in, I'm like, I don't know if I could do this because I, I had so many nights where I was up until like two o'clock in the morning and it's like, hey, oh. like you're supposed to ship this. And I had no idea what to do. And I asked oh, my brother God. for help. But like, that's how you learn because it forces you to kind of like research this and figure it out. And um, as long as you don't give up, you'll you'll make it. So um, yeah, so I learned a ton doing it that way. Um, then around like April, uh, my brother and I started talking about like decentralized social media. Um, I come up with like a million ideas a minute and my brother is yeah. more reserved and uh, <laughs> calculated. And he, tell, he tells me most of my ideas are trash. 
but this one he actually liked. And he's like, this is a good idea. Because I was basically saying people like Balaji and Naval, whose like thoughts I, I respect a lot, have been talking about decentralized social media for years. And yep. nobody's built a great, a good one, right? We've had like Steemit, we've had ThickCloud, but I think the, they got it totally wrong for a lot of different reasons. I remember Steemit when it first came out. It was pretty big, but... Uh... I think I checked them recently and it's just full of spam now. It's just... Yeah, I mean, they ba what they basically did was copied Reddit's UI and slapped a token on it, right? Yeah. Which, <laughs> Which isn't... They didn't innovate on the product at all or make it more useful. And they basically created this incentive to just post kind of engagement farming content, you know? and like a uh, hack engagement, yep. which is not really a community that anybody wants to participate in. It's kind of just a bunch of people spamming. spamming. Um, so I think they got, they got it wrong. Um, not to trash talk any specific products, yep. uh, but yeah, we were like, somebody's gonna build this eventually. This needs to exist. Why not us? And then my brother, he studied computer science at UVA. He graduated a year early, like super, super smart and way better engineer than I am. And we like, all right, let's go full time on it. So we quit our jobs in September, right? So we thought on it for a while, which I would recommend doing it. Yeah, how long, you, how long were you thinking about it for? That's what I wanted to ask. From April through September, right? So like, that's nice. usually like, we're, we kept thinking about it. Cause often like you get excited about an idea, but like two weeks later, it's like, ah, like I'm not that excited about it. Yeah. But this idea, we just kept getting more and more excited. excited which I kind of viewed as a good test of, hey, yeah. like we should go full time on this. Um, and well, did you already, uh, were you already like following closely to ENS and what they were doing at that time too? Cause... Yeah, I mean, I had an ENS domain. Um, oh, and I switched totally into Ethereum in March of this year. March, April, okay. So right from switching into Ethereum then thinking about this idea, it's pretty quick. Well, that's kind of how crypto goes, right? Like yeah, you, every you, month is like a year. You get some like little financial incentive Yep. Or you buy a little bit and then you, so I started buying Ethereum in October of last year and I, I was buying a little bit, but I kept my core Bitcoin position that I didn't want to touch mm -hmm. uh, because a real a smart friend that I really uh, respect, he was like, trust me, like you're going to want to buy Ethereum. So I was like, okay, like I don't really get it, but I'll keep buying it. And then you buy a little bit and you, and then it, now you pay attention to it. It's like, okay, like what's going on here. And then you, you learn about it. And I, um, the most... <laughs> Interesting things were kind of like the transition to proof of stake and EIP 1559. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be more scarce than Bitcoin. It's going to be more secure than Bitcoin. And then it has all this organic demand on top of it yeah. in form of like DeFi, NFTs, whatever. Uh, this might actually be like a superior store of value. It's so um, funny how you say that your, your friend told you you should buy Ethereum because I have a text to my friend. He like reforwarded it to me, but I was a text saying, oh, I regret trading my Bitcoin for Ethereum during the crash. Cause I'm like, I should have held Bitcoin. It would have been worth more. But now I'm thanking oh, him for in, it. In March, the March crash of yeah, 2020? Back, no, back in 2017, 2018. 2017. Uh, yeah. how, how long have you been in it? Uh, I mean, I've first heard of Bitcoin, I think 2013, 2011. I don't even remember, but it was like, I heard it before it was on the news type of thing. Like I remembered uh, Mount Gox and I remember all those older uh, exchanges like Polnex. And I remember, I actually remember when Coinbase first came out too. So yeah, I've been following it for a while, but like I was young, I was in high school at the times or going right into college. So I didn't have any money to put into it. And like, right. uh, I'm like, oh man, I wish I put everything into it that <laughs> bad, but I couldn't. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I love the tech anyways. I was always into tech, so. I kept following it and watching it grow. And I think now is when I really became, okay, I've been like following this thing and haven't been contributing at all. So now I'm like, it's my turn to help out with the community, help out and contribute with what I know and how I remember 
and how I envision uh, what cryptocurrency is supposed to be like. Right. That's awesome. I, I feel, yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny how it just becomes all consuming. Like once yeah. you get, once you hit some threshold of like being into it, it just becomes totally all consuming. Uh, I feel like that happens with a lot of people. Oh yeah. It's a 24 seven industry. There's no, <laughs> there's no stopping. There's no sleep. Exactly. <laughs> I love that meme where it's like, I quit my nine to five to work 24 seven in crypto. (laughs) Exactly. But it doesn't feel like work. It's like awesome. I I honestly love it. Um, But no, it's so true. It's like, I need to like force myself to spend time outside of crypto. (laughs) Yeah. So like, like now that you're went full time into GM, what do you do to like keep yourself away from crypto and keep yourself like sane or like kind of do some, I don't know, meditation running. What's your, what's your escape? Um, I try to work out, but I haven't been great at it recently. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> GM's been like kind of crazy with like, we had a ton of user growth in the past like three or four weeks. Um, so I've been trying to keep up with that, but yeah, I try and work out. I try and do a weekly dinner. I have some friends mm-hmm. um, down here. I'm going to throw them a shout out the Miami crypto cats. Uh, <laughs> Miami crypto um, cats. You heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, we'll grab dinner like once a week. Um, we just did like a berries class on sunday or i guess that was yesterday what class uh, yeah barry's boot camp oh okay it's like a workout class yeah. and then we got uh breakfast after so like kind of stuff like that um but that's pretty much it I, I don't really go out at night anymore i used to when like i was a little younger but uh not that i'm that old anymore. this is more fun though right <laughs> it's honestly more fun i'd rather and then like right like you go out to a bar or something and then you're like hung over the next day and, like, it doesn't feel good you're not totally productive yeah and then like you have like anxiety and like no it's just way better not to like to like kind of go out and like do a dinner is like kind of perfect maybe like a beer or two and then like um you're totally productive the next day and then you could kind of keep working on crypto yeah (laughs) now that um so is it just you and your brother are the co-founders i think you guys have like a pretty large team right i I mean i've seen a lot of contributors like nick.eth and sapphire and magoo and all these guys well, Magoo is my brother, and we're okay. writing all the code. And then Sapphire and Nick um, are friends of mine, um, and they're just helping. Mod- they're like helping, like moderating, mm-hmm. and they're like giving like great product feedback. Um, but they they have like other kind of uh, priorities and like jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of my brother and I are only like uh, the only ones full time on it. And then there's also Justin Bonsai, who was like the lead moderator of the Zen NFT Discord. And he's been doing, honestly, I have to thank Nick, Sapphire, and um, Justin Bonsai because they've been helping so much with kind of like the onslaught of community members and like helping maintain the Discord and distilling great. One really cool thing is that so many cool product ideas come from the community members, right? So they're doing a great job of like distilling that and like finding like the signal through the noise and making it easy to consume for Matt and I, who's Matt's my co-founder and brother. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, I think they really just care about like what we're building a lot. And um, they kind of saw, they've kind of been in it. They, all three of them have kind of been in it from the beginning um, when like we had maybe 30 users and more than half of them were my friends. <laughs> um, that's a good friend group. That's like, that's what you want. Like your friends and family are the ones who are supposed to support you the most, right? Especially in the beginning. So that's awesome that you have that. Yeah, I owe, I owe them big time for just, they, they've done so much. I can't thank them enough. And now, so yeah, now that you guys are all working together on this, um, like, let's see, what, like, what are the, I guess, biggest challenges that you're facing in terms of such like a, a fast growth? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to do, right? Like we need real-time communication. We need a mobile app. We need, there's so many cool things you can do when you have 
kind of web three primitives, like mm -hmm. everybody signing in with a wallet and all the unique things you could do there. Um, we have a massive roadmap and we just have to build it. And we're just kind of like, there's almost like no time <laughs> and we're trying to build it as yeah. best as we can. Um, so that's been like the biggest uh, challenge, but we're kind of like cranking along and like, it's really helpful to have um, like the community has been like great and like helping us like, prioritize things that are important and maybe not so important. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's kind of like the biggest thing. Moderation tools, um, giving communities like control over the content that's posted in their community and to protect themselves from that mm -hmm. is a big one. Um, yeah, you guys done a yeah. pretty good job like making sure the quality of the content is it's good. Like it's when you build something that's supposed to be decentralized or that's open for anyone to use, it's kind of hard to moderate that from like bots and hard to moderate that from just straight up spam and people trying to scam around. So yeah, good on you guys. Good job on moderating such a fast growth. And I mean, I worked as a community manager for a little while for uh, Utrust and that was a lot of like, it was very intense time because you're getting hundreds of telegram messages every day trying to figure out like how to help people who are, are in need or trying to separate people separate the people who are just trying to scam you or scam other other people so it's like a constant uh like rush of trying to figure out what is the best method of keeping us organized and keeping yourself like in a good headspace and a good mind space too yeah no it's um yeah it's like a challenge and we've kind of been fortunate that there haven't been many spammers um mm -hmm. um yeah and honestly i think kind of like the what the tools we have with everybody connecting a wallet helps us protect communities and the platform overall against that right so communities can kind of gain access to it by what like the contents of your wallet, like if you own certain NFTs or social tokens. Mm -hmm. And then also we kind of made it a rule that um, you can't sign up with an empty wallet, which is oh, I don't know really, that actually. Yeah, so we actually just implemented it because they're, right? Like you just run into this issue yeah. um, where uh, somebody changed their name to some form of hate speech um, and started commenting everywhere. And this was, and like, we can't have that, right? Like, so, and we could kind of get into our policies on like censorship. Um, after this, but basically what happened was it was Thanksgiving. My brother and I were home for Thanksgiving. We we're eating dinner with like our entire family. And we saw this, um, we have a bot that like just tells us anytime somebody posts. It's <laughs> um, probably so addicting to look at. Well, what it's really useful for is it like helps us respond to people. Um, right. Cause there's nothing worse than like spending a lot of time on a post or a thoughtful comment and just publishing it to an empty room. Yeah. Um, so it's right. My brother and I read pretty much everything and we'll try and respond with thoughtfully. And um, I, I, I think that really helped kind of like build the community that we have, right? Like you can post almost anything and my brother and I will do our best to like answer it if it's a question or like just put, uh, just support you if it's like a project or yeah. stuff like that. Um, and I think that goes a long way. But yeah, we saw that from the bot um, and uh, we, we banned the user. And what they did was they spun up another account um, and did it again. Gotcha. So what we said was, we're going to make it a requirement where you can't spin up a, an account with an empty wallet. We, um, you need to have at least some ETH in there. Um, and what that does is, right, ETH gas costs are actually coming to our help here because if you want to spend the $10 of gas to transfer some ETH to an empty wallet, um, you can do that and create another account and then spam it again and then just get banned. Um, mm -hmm and you're out 10 bucks and like <laughs> you maybe got one post up that was taken down, right so it's a really interesting primitive that can help us i think it will help us solve a lot of the hardest problems in social media because if you think about it like reddit 
Twitter, Facebook, yeah. they can't really protect themselves against it because you can spin up as many email addresses as you want and create as many accounts as you want on those platforms. You don't even have to spin up new email addresses. You can just add like a plus sign to your email address. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that, but like yeah, I've you heard can create about as many I've seen accounts those. with just the mm -hmm. same email address and they have no way to kind of protect themselves against it. But like, and you can imagine this getting uh, a little more sophisticated over time, right? Like you kind of uh, try and verify if they're like a human or like their transaction history, um, especially like giving these tools to the community. Cause that's where we ultimately want to go. Like we don't think a handful of product managers at like Twitter, Facebook or Reddit should be like deciding what the whole world sees. It seems like a very big power imbalance. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately we want to give communities these tools to kind of control what goes in their specific yeah, community. Have moderators for each community. Exactly. And we rolled that moderator functionality out last week. Um, and we're just trying to build as useful features as possible. Now, who, who's the, um, I guess I want to know who, who designed the front end? Was it a collaborative effort between you and your brother or are one of you guys the front end uh, developers? No, so we're both full stack. So we will nice. break it up by features. Um, so for example, like my brother, he just over this week, he did verified NFT profile pictures. Um, and he did that in two, in two days, right? Like, so it's kind of funny because Twitter's That's been wild. talking about doing this for months. And I saw a product manager at Twitter tweet, uh, tweeted this morning, like somebody asked, has Twitter given up on verified NFT profile pictures? And the product manager was like, we have two meetings about this every week. Um, we have not given up. And I'm like, that's like kind of like everything that's wrong <laughs> like this, right? Yeah. Like that, that shouldn't be like that hard to ship. And like, I get like, it's a little harder to move when you have a lot of tech debt. Yeah. Um, but my brother shipped in two, two days and we got it out. Um, and he did the back end and he did the front end and he did the design too. So he, the way it kind of works is he, for that example, he will, um, we were going back and forth of like, how should the verified signal work, right? We were thinking of maybe doing a ring around the profile picture. Then we were thinking of doing like a badge. And then we tried out a bunch of different badges and he just kind of like screenshots his computer and just sends it to me. And I'm like, ah, I don't really like that. And then yeah. we finally found a design that we liked and we're like, all right, let's go with that and just ship it. And he shipped it. So it's um, NFT verified. Would it, um, Since you're using ENS, would you be able just to look at the avatar profile picture through ENS to use that verification or would you have to go on, like, I guess you would scan the blockchain to see if it was a verified picture. Yeah, so what happens when a user signs up is we'll download all of their NFTs to that wallet and mm -hmm. we'll put those on your user profile. So you can see each person's NFT profile, which I actually find pretty useful because like so many comments and I'm trying to figure out, learn more about them and I see they own like a punk or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Like this is yeah. probably like a pretty legit person. Um, so it's pretty interesting from that perspective. Um, but basically, we'll download all those NFTs. And, and then when you go to change your profile picture, you can choose it from your NFT and kind of crop it um, so that it looks nice in the circle or uh, in the PFP or the banner image. Mm -hmm. You can do a verified banner image as well. Um, and then once you do that, we will um, mark it as verified. Um, and then the badge will show up. Gotcha. Nice. And you're doing all, like this whole entire... Uh platform is currently free and you know ad free and free to use and you know like are you guys going to apply for like uh gitcoin grants or ethereum foundation grants how are you gonna sustain yourselves long term what's the plan for that yeah so we put a lot of thought into this and um we have no plans for ads so we think like ads fundamentally misalign the incentives of mm -hmm. networks and their users, right? Like they're, you're just, they're incentivized to kind of keep you hooked as long as possible, even if it's not your best. Yeah. And 
we think there'll be a lot of ways to monetize that are not um, related to ads, right? Because we're so close to users' wallets. And the way, the way we want to do it is by providing useful tools and services. So you can imagine like a big influencer um, on Twitter, right? Their DMs are totally unusable on Twitter or in Discord because they just get so much spam. And even if they want to reply to a person, it's just impossible because they get so much. Yeah. Um, and it takes so much of their time. And one feature that we're planning on implementing is, um, let's just say a famous artist wanted to say, only people who own my NFT collection can DM me. Or you have to uh, own yeah. punks or board apes to DM me. Or if I don't follow you, follow you, you have to pay me $10 of ETH to DM me, right? And then all of a sudden, like everybody wins in that scenario because now people can get in touch with who they want to get in touch with. And it's manageable for like those high celebrity like So you can imagine something like that where like the platform takes like a small cut um, and for providing like useful tools. And another way we want to monetize is again, on that building useful tools. So you can imagine, let's just say hypothetically, an engineering DAO yeah. um, creates a community on GM. And that's a very uh, desirable kind of community to get attention in, right? So people, if somebody wanted to post a job listing to that, um, you could imagine like kind of creating some type of featured post for, that the community can turn on or off and pay whatever, a hundred bucks to post a job listing in that community. And then that would go to that community's treasury. And then the community can like distribute that to the members as well. And then we would take like a small cut of that. Another nice. example is... Um, for example, I was talking to uh, Justin Bonsai, the um, the moderator for the Zen NFT uh, Discord, and he was saying it's kind of unfair that uh, OpenSea gets to take such a massive take rate um, when they kind of generate all the demand and interest in, right? So you can yep. imagine, I mean, an exchange is just an NFT swapping exchange is really just a smart contract. Yeah, right. It's a transaction. So, exactly. So imagine if we gave every community the opportunity to kind of spin up their own exchange within their community for people to buy and trade their NFTs. Um, and that take rate that was going to OpenSea goes to the community treasury, right? And then maybe we take like a small cut as well of that, right? So there's so much tooling that needs to be mm -hmm. built. And you can imagine like a premium subscription for like DAOs communities, yeah. right? Like they have so many needs in terms of like multi-sig management, that all these tools that like you have CollabLand, SourceCred, Yep. snapshot that they currently it's very unmanageable for a lot of people and you have to kind of be a crypto expert to integrate it all into discord which is kind of the status quo and we want to kind of create um a very intuitive vertically integrated solution for these um communities and then we'll monetize accordingly from that but like i i want to align our interests with the interest of the users and yeah. i don't think advertising does it i think useful tools and services to that. That's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm loving what you're saying. So I'm excited for that. And I think it's def definitely needed in the, in the space because yeah, like I'm on discord, I'm joining like dozens of different projects and it's everyone has a different verification project. Everyone has different ways of handling um, signage. I'm just like, this is getting too much. And I'm also getting spam from random users. And I'm like, okay, I have to allow all incoming messages to get verified. But then as soon as I do that, I'm getting spammed from people that I don't want to talk to. It's just like, it's like, um, counterproductive and not, not an enjoyable experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many things wrong with discord. And even though the product's only been up for like two and a half months, right? We've only been working on it for two and a half months. I already think it's a very useful compliment to discord. So like there's mainly three main benefits over discord um mm -hmm. right now like the first um would be kind of it's great for long-form discussions with a large number of concurrent users 
So for example, when we want, when we put, when I posted kind of like our two week roadmap as a post, and we got like 30 to 50 comments from all of our users um, saying like, you should prioritize this, you should yeah. do this instead, right? The best comments float to the top and like yep. really good ideas float to the top. And like, you could have replies to that that are also ranked. And then the worst ones like kind of are at the bottom. And then it's easy to come back to like a month later. And I've come back to it a few times a month later to kind of check it, check it out and make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, whereas if you try to have that conversation in Discord, it's almost impossible. Yeah, you lose um, it immediately. You lose it. And then the con- the comments are like all over the place. You can't really follow a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no sense of ordering. It's kind of a mess. So that would be like one benefit. Another benefit would be kind of like less information loss. So exactly what you're saying. Right now you have to hop from server to server, but it's not just server to server. It's channel to channel channel within each server and none of the content is ordered and you don't know what's like can't miss versus like just stupid stuff that you don't have to pay attention to at all. And what we think the feed model is extremely great for this because you can have all the content from your communities in one place and yeah. the people you follow in one place. And you know when you're caught up, you know, you could you could sort it by new or you could sort it by like top posts. So you know like uh, what's like a bus read and what isn't. Um, and you know when you're caught up. Um, so that would be like the second benefit. And then I also think there's a very useful discovery aspect, which is why we integrated the following feature, um, right? So I follow you and I see you post in the Bonsai community. Um, and I'm like, hey, what's the Bonsai community? Let me check it out. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden you found this great new community that you never would have found otherwise, right? So I, I view those three three things as kind of compliments of Discord. And then over time, we're already working on direct messaging. And so I'm talking to these communities. And I'm asking them, like, Discord isn't serving you. Like, what do you need to move your entire community over to GM? And oh, the two wow. biggest things are kind of like real-time communication. Um, and then also a mobile app, right? Like a mobile app is kind of tape stick. Right? Yeah, but everyone's like, on mobile now. So, I mean, yeah, yes. it's like, it's tough to do. Plus, I think I, think I even mentioned once was like... Um, the most difficult thing about having a mobile app is if you're going to sign in with your Ethereum wallet, it's like if you're ever on the go and your ledger is at home or something, it's hard to sign in. You can't sign in. And I was, I'm curious and excited to like maybe uh, see how that plan plans out because I think one of my uh, recommendations was like, oh, scan your desktop QR code with your phone to sign in that way if it's already logged in somewhere else. But again, I don't know how the coding would work behind that. Probably easier in my head than it is in real life. No, I, I think that could be a viable option. Um, another, uh, so once you log in once, you're logged in, mm-hmm. right? Like, so you don't have to log in every single time you use it. Um, so another option would be to spin up like a MetaMask wallet that like you access from your phone and just connect that to your account. And that that could be your login uh, yeah. uh, wallet, right? So. Like, it, right, like, so you don't have to use your hardware wallet if you want to access it from different devices, right? So that's probably, those would be two solutions, but like, yeah, it'd be super easy if you're, if you're like signed in on your desktop and then you can just scan a QR code and then that logs you in on the mobile app. And then the biggest thing is just that first sign-on because once you're yeah. signed in, you don't have to log in again. And I think overall the experience is very seamless. I mean, I remember back in the day, like when we had to use Bitcoin wallets or Ethereum wallets, it was an entire uh, client you had to download on your desktop. It was an actual cl- desktop program client that you download and you view your wallet on there and you sync it with the blockchain. It was a, it was a definitely rudimentary early phase of cryptocurrency. And now look at like, now look at us, we're just signing in on with Ethereum on a platform where we can just talk with our friends and talk with our communities 
that's like pretty much what I hear a lot of is like GM is kind of like a cross between Reddit and Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Like cross between Reddit and Twitter with like that's making use of all these cool Web3 mm-hmm. primitives that we have. Um, and I, I personally think sign in Ethereum is awesome, right? Because there's no, I, I feel like usernames and passwords are going to kind of be like a thing of the past. Like, um, yeah. You should um, just be able to sign in everywhere with just your wallet. I'm already sick of username and passwords. I'm like, just please make it easy for me. Like this is unnecessarily <laughs> difficult. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm pumped for you, man. I'm excited to see what your, you and your brother and your whole entire team and community is like developing and growing. I think you're solving a, definitely a needed uh, issue in the space, especially a needed issue with community. Um, you know, how communities work and how communities are found with each other and how communities collaborate in general. And yeah, um, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, excited for it. Um, Thanks. I, I think like the, the other thing I would um, kind of bring up that mm-hmm. we haven't really touched on yet is that like I'm... One of the main reasons I'm so passionate about this project and my brother is too, is because we feel like this is such a pressing issue with society. Um, not to get too like idealistic, but right. Like if you fit, if you think about it, because Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, poured all the data and stored it in their databases, and that's not accessible to anyone else, mm-hmm. the innovation in the space kind of stops. And like we were talking about before, you have like a handful of product managers at these companies kind of like deciding, making like these tremendously important decisions of like what algorithm is optimal for the feed, what co- content should be censored and not censored, right? Um, and I personally don't think that should be up to like just a handful of product managers. Um, what I think our vision for this is, so I, I've kind of communicated this to the community, our plan is to progressively decentralize over time. Yeah. So we have all of our data currently on AWS and we're running, we're building it like a traditional web two application because we're like, if we don't build something useful, then none of the other stuff matters, yeah. right? So we're trying to make it useful. And then over time, we're gonna, and then also like it'd be a thousand X harder trying to do this on decentralized architecture and it'd be too expensive with like the current state of blockchain technology. Um, so over time, we're gonna decentralize. So, and the way we plan on doing this is first, we're gonna like open up open source our code base in like the next couple months. With, there's just a big process around open sourcing. We need to document everything and yeah. like create processes for like solving issues and stuff like that. Um, so we just have to find time to do that. But in the next couple of months, our code base will be entirely open source. Um, we'll open up our APIs. Um, and then what we eventually want to put all of our data on chain. So you can imagine. Right? <laughs> it's going to be a big migration. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be pretty big. Um, and it's going to be a really hard problem, but I think it'll be worth it because uh, you can imagine a world where everybody has read and write access to the data. Um, of any of this social network and everybody kind of reads and writes to the same kind of protocol. Uh, mm-hmm. What that will allow for is anybody with a good idea of how to approach some of like the hardest problems in social media will be able to kind of spin up their own client and express their own view on how these issues should be solved. And hopefully this will result in like a Darwinian process where the best ideas on how to solve these issues um, rise to the top and the other ones are kind of like, and the weakest ideas are kind of weeded out um, and hopefully it solves like a lot of the hardest problems in social media today. It's kind of like our long-term vision for this. And then GM will hopefully be like the most popular client, <laughs> right? Uh, but giving any everyone the right to defect from that is really important to us. And we, um, yeah, so I mean, we really care about that. Yeah, I mean, it shows. And I mean, that's what we need, right? It's more of people who actually care about the industry and the space and building something that is for the people, not just for yourself or just for uh monetization uses um i think that's why we also have like such a strong community too right like the ethereum community is strong yeah there, there, 
love working together and it's beautiful i love seeing it yeah and people have like grilled me on all these things like where's the data stored how are you going to decentralize over time how like how is this going to work in the future and like it forced me to kind of write up like this epic and the about us page that kind of like dives into these things um and i think it, this kind of like long-term mission really resonates with the community and uh, for example we had uh yz.e i don't know if you saw this but he bought gn.xyz oh yeah i saw uh, that yeah that wasn't cheap that was like 3100 and he just gave it to us because he like really cared about what we're building and didn't want to see somebody kind of like squat on that domain and try and sell it to us at a higher price like and we're going to try and do something really cool with it. we still have to like figure that out um but it's kind of really cool and then you have people like like just some bonsai who like i, I didn't know him personally he wasn't one of my friends who like kind of guilted into like helping out he like genuinely believes in what we're building and he's been so helpful with the community and then there's just so many people like that in the community that are um, helping with moderation and posting ideas and giving us, helping us debug stuff. And it's, it's honestly amazing. I'm like, I've never, I've honestly never been like more excited. Yeah. It makes you want to work harder and more for, for the people, for the community. It's like, oh, wow. Exactly. It's, like, it's better than cash sometimes. You know, it's just, I mean, I think, I think that's something we've like lost a lot of in uh, society now is just community a sense of community everything is like everyone each to his own everyone figure out your own problems everyone like live your own life but sometimes a community is needed and it's great and it brings out this social need that we have as humans is to grow together and build together and yeah that's one thing i love from ethereum especially is like their community is really uh open and welcoming and wants to build the right thing for the future absolutely i, I couldn't agree more uh i wanted to ask you were saying that I remember early on earlier you were saying that you read a lot and reading books is like the way you learn and reading articles. So if you had to give some starter tips for someone new into crypto, what you know, two books would you recommend for them to read? That's tough. <laughs> That's a really tough question. You can give I, more I, if you I, want. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Bitcoin standard is really great for like understanding for like steel manning the Bitcoin argument. Um, but I feel like it's a bit dated. Um, just because so many things have changed that I, I personally think Ethereum's like a superior store of value. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I mean, if you're curious, uh, I read like Infinite Machine is another like good one. It's kind of like a story of Ethereum. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting, um, but it's not really, it doesn't really explain like the fundamentals. There's also like this book, um, DeFi in the Future of Finance, mm -hmm. which is kind of good. It goes into like, kind of like explains everything in DeFi, right? So it's pretty useful from that perspective. I don't know if I'd recommend a book um, to do it though. Um, try to think, honestly, I, the way I tell most people to get started is like, listen to the Bankos podcast. Like the Bankos podcast is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, um, it's very like beginner friendly. Um, yeah. and then there's like some blog posts that I really like, but like, it's kind of weird. There's not like one killer resource to kind of explain everything. You know, you have yeah. to like assemble bits and pieces and kind of go through your own journey and you watch um, it grow at the same time exactly so that now that you've been in the crypto scene for a little while now um you know what is your crypto pet peeve hmm, my <laughs> crypto pet peeve um let me think honestly i get like a little bit triggered when i see kind of like vcs like pumping like eth killers because uh -huh. I, I i don't think they're doing they're painting like an accurate narrative um and mostly to kind of like just pump their bags. Um, I, I might like annoy people. <laughs> this might trigger. I don't know who's listening to this. So it might trigger people. Um, look, I'm not an ETH maxi. I personally think that like chains like Solana um, are, there's real innovation. There's real tech there. Uh, if I think of somebody like my youngest brother who just graduated college, right? And like maybe has a couple thousand dollars from his first job that like ETH gas fees will just eat you up. And it's like totally inaccessible. 
right? Where yeah. go use Solana and like learn how all this stuff works. And it's like great for that. Um, but where, where I get a little triggered and I think it's like a little bit of a pet peeve is that when people act like Solana or AVAX kind of solve blockchain scalability, right? Yeah. Um, when they haven't, right? They've just kind of made certain trade-offs. And eventually once there's enough demand, right? Like once, if there's enough demand, there's always going to be demand for cheap block space. And once it hits like a certain threshold, um, they're going to run into the same high fee problems that Ethereum's running into right now. And Ethereum's kind of in this awkward stage where um, it's transitioning from everything happening at mainnet to everything happening at layer twos. Um, and right now, right, like, so it's kind of like L2s aren't quite here yet. There's not EVM compatibility or EVM equivalents. It's really hard for the mainnet applications to kind of like import their apps onto these L2s. There's no tokens yet to like incentivize people to adopt them. And then um, the tech just isn't quite here yet. A lot of it's mm -hmm. in beta. Um, so people are like looking at Ethereum and they're saying, oh my gosh, it costs like, it does. Like if you want to like use like the purple, like it, I think it costs me like a couple hundred dollars of gas to do that. Jeez. Right. And like, uh, that's not accessible for most people. So it's like this awkward stage, but eventually the, I, I personally think the only way that the ecosystem scales to millions of transactions per second is to have kind of like the base layer focus on kind of consensus decentralization, censorship resistance, and like data availability. Um, and then rollups will kind of like set, use that, that settlement layer to kind of, and then there would be thousands of rollups on Ethereum um, and get kind of like the levels of throughput. So that's kind of like my big macro view. And I, I think it's like kind of unfair for people to like FUD Ethereum and say, hey, like Ethereum's, a, a, Ethereum's like a, comparing yeah. it to like a mainframe or something like that. I and feel it's outdated tech when I, they're just doing it the right way and it just takes a little longer to do it. Yeah, I feel like people need to, like the famous trilemma of blockchain technologies or cryptos, you know, there's three things that you have to look at. It's like what, decentralization, um, scalability, and what was the last one? Uh, decentralization, scalability. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> Me too. Uh, space storage? I don't know. Are you looking it up? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Decentralization, scalability, and security. Security, yeah. So now that we all know together, <laughs> um, yeah. make sure everyone reads up on that because that's exactly what you, know, you were talking about. Like For Solana, I think they gave up on decentralization to ensure scalability and uh, security. But I don't know, it's like the growth Yeah, of it I mean, all. it, cost, it, it like, takes like 256 gigabytes of RAM to kind of run a node, which is insane. Mm -hmm. um, and it leads, right, like you saw, like in the recent outage, right? Like they have a 13 hour outage and they're able to kind of like patch a software update to all of the validators in like 13 hours, yeah. um, which like kind of speaks to how centralized it kind of is. Um, and even, right, like, and then Anatoly, who I respect a lot, he's like a builder, he's shipping a ton of code and like, right, like they're really innovating and like they're really smart people. Um, they are, um, his argument to Steelman is basically like, as hardware costs come come down with Moore's law, that you will um, that anybody mm -hmm. will be able to kind of meet those requirements, um, which is fair. But like at the same time, there's going to be like latency is going to be like the main issue with the network and like keeping all those nodes in sync. And even if it only hits like right, like the theoretical max right now is like fifty thousand transactions per second. But I don't think Solana is doing anywhere close to it. I think they're doing like maybe like a couple thousand transactions per second. Um, yeah. And like, even if they do get hit the, like their th theoretical max that Anatoly talks about, like that's not going to be enough for like how big all the use cases are going to be. Oh yeah, no, he's, yeah. If you just look at like Visa transactions alone, if we're going to replace Visa, it's, we got to be able to do a lot of transactions real quick.
Exactly. And some people talk about like a multi-chain world, which I don't really subscribe to because Vitalik actually writes some really good stuff on this, is that all of the bridges and um, are kind of vulnerabilities. And then the network is kind of like only as strong as like the weakest link, right? Yeah. So if you have kind of like these, if a blockchain is building on like another blockchain, which builds on like, another, right, if, you, if these dApps, um, right, like kind of like build off of these other blockchains, then if there's one that like is like only 1% is secure as Ethereum, that, that will be like kind of a weakness, like a, in, yeah. in the armor of the entire system as a whole. In my opinion, the only way that makes sense is like Ethereum as like focused on security and decentralization and then everything on top. And then you have things like hot protocol and stuff like that to kind of solve composability. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, that's what I like, that's where all like betting on and like hoping for is like, for this to be done properly and accurately and safely with Ethereum. And hopefully the L2s that are built on top of it are able to also follow the same um, structure and give us that ability to transact as much as we want to without having to pay such high gas fees and paying all that um, cost to actually run it too. So I'm right. excited for it. I'm pumped for the future for all this, but I guess we'll see because it looks like now we're kind of calming down our cycle. So who knows what's <laughs> going to happen. Yeah, uh, I, I, I kind of stopped looking at the price. I, I, yeah. I, I, um, I, I'm just like so confident in Ethereum that like, <laughs> like <laughs> nothing's going to shake me. <laughs> Good. Uh, last question of the day. So I like to like, just keep it a wholesome question. So what made you smile the most recently? What's a nice wholesome moment that kind of got you grinning from ear to ear? Um, honestly, I'm going to have to give a shout out to Hirobit Bob on uh, GM. He's been running like these awesome pixel art competitions mm -hmm. um, and he's been like donating like a hundred dollars of his own money to like sponsor it. And like, there's been some really cool art and he's really kind of like uh, spearheaded the entire community, um, wow. which has been awesome to see. And like, I people are like experimenting in pixel art and like who never like really consider it or like trying it and That's um, cool. like enjoying it. It's, uh, it's honestly really cool. And he's such like a, he's like the nicest guy ever. Um, we're sending him some swag. Uh, nice. So like a GM hoodie and like a t-shirt. Um, Love it. As like a little thank you. But like, honestly, he's been great. And, uh, yeah, he's made me smile a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for uh, joining me. Everyone who's listening to this, please check out gm.xyz. Find your favorite community or create your own. Uh, yeah, thank you again for joining me. I had a great time. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much for having me. See you, everyone.